Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Okay, everybody. Talk Show Live is here again. Chuck Bartok speaking to you from beautiful Northern California on the banks of the Sacramento River uh, for the 374th episode of You Can Build It, Your Business. And as many of you know, in the last month or so, we've been focusing on the wonderful industry of creating, uh, publishing, and marketing books, uh, books, poetry, uh, you know, things that way in the, in the creative world. And uh, most of you know that I've hooked back up, reconnected with a very old friend. And in the last couple of years, I've been uh, focusing way too much of my time in that endeavor. And, and we're very pleased with the success. And because of that, I've shared some ideas on Facebook and people ask questions, and I said, well, let's just revive the call so everybody has a chance to ask questions or share their stories of good, bad, and ugly. And so far today, we're joined by Gerard King, uh, Washington, D.C. Gerard has been on this show uh, going all the way back 10 years ago. Uh, a wonderful story. I see he muted himself because that's what he likes to do. So what actually what Gerard does is all the books he's written has been from the content that we had on our other talk show. And of course, now he'll come on and, and laugh at me. But uh, Gerard is probably one of the most unique self-transformation, self-improvement authors I've read since uh, Orison Sweat Martin and uh, Charles Hanel, The Master Key. Uh, and interestingly enough, the story of Gerara is uh, the young man living in his car on the streets of Washington, D.C., and uh, he listened well and read voluminously and started sharing his thoughts on, like I'm staring at the book, Transform Your World Through the Powers of Your Mind. I think it's somewhere around 600 pages. It's um, in most of the psychology departments of the universities around the country. It's 563 pages. And uh, anyway, that's our good friend Gerara. Um, I'm so glad he joined us back again. But we won't hear from him probably unless he wants to. Goldfinger... (laughs) Uh, Mr. Tony Mihelski, the owner of Callisti Publishing. Our relationship goes back a good 10 years. Tony's publishing company focuses on books. How would you describe it, Tony? Uh, self-help books, or what, what word yeah, would you I, say? I say uh, personal development, self-help business. Yeah, books, and, and, books. But that's why you won't publish us, because you don't like our genre. <laughs> well, well, yeah, as we, uh, as we talked, yeah, that's a big... Thing. Uh, you know, you want to find the publisher that's aligned with your genre. Yeah, then yeah. They'll, they'll know how to hit it. It'd be like uh, you know, going to a, a, a record label that produces classical music and wanting them to you know, make your you know, rock and roll dreams come true. Right. <laughs> it's not going to work well. It's not going to work well. But, but it is interesting, even though 
you know, we, we walk. Uh, your authors have been favorites of mine, and uh, I've enjoyed promoting them on, on our blog and website because you do have a wonderful group of writers. Uh, I know some of them are now deceased, but, but you do have an excellent backlog, or not back, what's it called? Inventory library of books. Back, back catalog, yeah. Back catalog. Okay, and uh, Gerard is back on the light, and then Barbara Grassi. Hi, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. We've lost uh-huh. you for a while. Glad you came back. Oh. Third time, fourth time, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and then Upper Central Michigan is. Jump in again. I've got. Oh, Leland Best. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. I, this is. See, in the old days, everybody joined TalkShoe, which anybody can for free. And you can have your own platform, your own website, and you can have these calls uh, anytime you want, and they can be private or public. This happens to be public, which means it will be searched, and it will also be up on iTunes. So those people who are free members of, of uh, TalkShoe have usernames, and Tony is Goldfinger. I knew that from the past, but I couldn't put it together. And so you wouldn't be Washington, D.C., uh, you would be Gerara King, and Upper Central Michigan would be whatever Leland wants to be, Leland Best, and the same thing with Barbara Grassi. So remember, this platform's available, talkshoe.com, free for anybody. Uh, set up your own program. Do it once a year. Who cares? But you do get a download, an MP3 download, and uh, and it does get up on iTunes. So that's a, a site. I'm not advertising for them. <laughs> so, But I just wanted everybody to know that. Um Actually, we have been focusing on publishing and marketing. And what's kind of neat about the callers today, I I consider Barbara a wonderful marketer and a tutor about taking your book to the next level, which means getting it out there and maybe have a person buy it. Leland Best, I invited Leland today because Leland is doing something for us, and I know that there's, you know... Leland's forte is communication, visual communication. In fact, he's the one that did the, he coordinated the televised interview between Jim Strauss and myself, which is part of our marketing system. And I've also taken that 35-minute video and excerpted it into little snippets, and those are the ones that get the big play. I asked Leland the other day about... um, what do you call them, book trailers, right, Leland? Yes, sir. And what prompted me is somebody suggested, was it you, Barbara, that put up the link for the uh, uh, software that a person can get to pr- make their own book trailer? Um, I don't think I did that specifically for a book trailer, but there is a software you can right. put up that makes, it makes it so easy even I can do it. Well, I'm glad you could because I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean you're younger than I am. Come on, I mean I'm fixated. Not by much. <laughs> so, so what I did was I, I just we had a discussion with Leland, and he's playing with one for a second ten days, which is going to be in print and on digital within a few days, I think. Right, Tony? <laughs> in a short period of time. In a short period of time. In a short. Period, that's what I told Jim a half hour ago. Uh, <laughs> so. He said, it is ready tomorrow. And I said, no, it is not ready tomorrow. So go, you've you got to get the newspaper out tonight anyway. So concentrate on that and hell with the book right now. But 
I am impressed with some of the trailers I saw, and then I asked Leland questions because he's the expert, and he said, well, yeah, that one's about a $10,000 trailer. And, he, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, so the software I tried, Barbara, I don't know if you've tried it or not. And, I don't know which software you're talking well, about. Well, it, it, it makes book trailers, okay? It's, I don't know the name of it, and I'm not going to, you know. I, anyway. You're not going to advertise for them, huh? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't remember the name. And I wasn't impressed with the clunkiness of it, okay? I mean, that's, right. you know, for me, unless I want to take two days, three days, four days, and learn the curve. No. No, no, no. You hire you hire people who know well, what Well, that's doing. why I invited Leland, because he's <laughs> playing with one for us. And, and I told him, I said, I think authors who are substantial in the fact they do have a quality product I believe the trailer on YouTube, the trailer on social media, and the, these are two minutes, minute and a half, two minutes, the trailer on their website on a little landing page can be a real asset. So Leland's playing with it. And oh, no, Leland does not give his services away, but he, I, I will say this for him. <laughs> Hit me. Leland is a reasonable gentleman and, you know, is not crazy when he you know thinks about that i mean i i he's worth every penny that we have compensated him for what he's done for us but i i don't you know i, I pardon leland are you there oh. i keep hearing a clicker yeah somebody's uh is that you draw somebody click on their pen okay <laughs> maybe maybe that's tony I, I want to bring Tony in too, Barbara, because as I mentioned, Tony, Callisti Publishing is not new. How long have you been in business, Tony? Uh, a, a while. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not bring up age. Okay. okay. <laughs> and and again, I have a bunch of books from his publishing company in front of me because I have appreciated his authors. Uh, seminar speaking success, and I believe or believe I believe by uh, I really like that young lady uh, Claire Claire yeah, yeah, yeah. Claire McGee and, and and just a bunch of others. And so what I've actually done is I've hopefully helped Tony sell some books. I don't know, <laughs> but but I think we as authors or people who like to write should surround themselves with people. Uh, of these talents and not jump at that shiny ring. I had a conversation today with a young lady from, uh, she's a retired educator. She has a very unique niche of books. She has access to uh, right now five 90 plus year old Holocaust survivors, survivors of the Third Reich. And they are sharing their memoirs with her and she's putting them into book form. I mean, powerful stories, the little bit that I read, very powerful. And these women are not going to be around long, and their story probably needs to be shared for history. And um, the uh, she went out, and somebody told her to get a website. And then she went out and got a publisher. And to put it mildly at the end of our, our conversation on the phone, she's about $20,000 poorer and has nothing done. And that's what I want to see stop. <laughs> How about you, Barbara? Do you feel that way too? <laughs> uh, in other words, I think 
those people who, who have the talent to write and want to get their books out there published, I, I've just heard too many stories where people are making a mistake and not starting at the bottom. What do you think about that, Tony? Because you are in the business. Are you gone too? Oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. That's a tough one to answer. Um, you know, the original thing you, you I, I think you referenced earlier were like vanity presses, where someone goes and pays someone to, you know, edit and, and quote unquote publish their books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's a very shady part of the publishing, and and you don't want to get involved with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the only the two real avenues to go by is either self publish. Or you know, go through the traditional route of, of, of publishing properly with a, mm-hmm. a a traditional publisher. Right. Or you know, like like you and uh, you know James Strauss is doing just just that amazing job where, like I said, that's true self-publishing. You know, you're putting it together, you're going out there, you're doing the footwork, and you know, selling a few copies here and there. One or so, one or two a day or more. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. But but I do want to bring in something that's that that I believe is important. I'm not you know, backward, but at my age, there are a few learning curves that I don't feel I need to fill my head with. And therefore, we have we have contacted you, and you are doing some of the, quote, self-publishing nuts and bolts for us, because you already have those assets, and it's easier for you than for me to start. Yeah, right. And I think it's fair to share that. Barbara, do you understand what I'm saying, don't you? I guess Barbara muted herself. That's okay. Lori the teddy bear, <laughs> Paulina's here. Oh my gosh! Hi, Lori. I wish I got. I got to type hello to Lori. Oh, what a sweetheart! Oh, the warrior goddess, Lori Paulina, the warrior goddess from Is ten to eight night. Huh? Is she muted? Yeah, she's just on the computer. Gerara. Uh, Gerara's here, Lori. Okay, uh, getting back uh, to what... Uh, you know what you were saying about the vanity press with uh, Tony Mikowski? Mm-hmm. That is That is so true because I've had, like, publishers call me up and they were like, how many books did this sell? And then I'd be like, 4,000. And they'd be like, okay, not interested. Because it's like, it, 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 it could be a blessing and a curse because if the book takes off with the vanity press, then they'll be interested in taking it over. But if they don't like the number then it's kind of like you dig the hole deeper for yourself, and then they're not interested because they're like, well, this book came out last year. It only sold 400 copies, so, you know. Mm-hmm. When they probably would have been interested if you would have wrote up the presentation right when you tried to get a deal the traditional way, they probably would have taken it, but when you went through the vanity press and sold 300 copies in the first year, now they're not interested when they would have been. So it's a crazy situation. It it is. I I tell people the hardest thing to sell in the world is a book. (laughs) And and I'm not kidding. I mean, you you can sell anything else, but you'll find (laughs) nothing as difficult to sell as a book. You know, uh, right? You know, nobody needs them. (laughs) A lot of people don't even want them. You know, reading is is an activity that has just bad memories of uh, homework and, you know, not fun times. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, what what I've often come across is just the fact that, you know, when, when that book is out, whether it's self-published, whether it's vanity published, 
whether it's traditionally published, you know, it's the author that has to be out there hustling the book. That's right. You know, there's there's no and and this is going to be the same everyone from you know the very first book uh, to you know the the Stephen Kings of the world, the uh, yeah. Rowlings of the world. You know, you right. have different platforms, but it but it is a matter of creating that platform and, and getting out there and, and, and doing all sorts of crazy work yourself. You, you, you brought up a good point just a just a sentence ago. The there's a group of people who are offering suggestions to people on social media that I've been reading. You gotta have a book page. You know, build a page and promote the book. Well, that's fine if everybody already knows the brand. But it's it's my contention that I want to see the author built and utilize social media to attract people to me. I mean, I'm using these ethereal, you know what I mean? Not not me, Chuck Bartok, but me, the author. And I do that by proving to them that I have something to offer them. And that's where the system that we've come across, which still there's just a ton of people that, that aren't, um, aren't happy about it, uh, you know, we, we put it all out there. Lori, do you have your radio on? Hi, Lori. Hi. No, I don't have a radio on. Okay. So good to hear your voice. It's been too long, too long. Anyway, uh, I'm going to continue on the uh, – you're still in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, aren't you, Lori? Uh, not St. Charles, St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, okay, okay. Well, I, I, I knew it was somewhere around there anyway. Anyway, the with social media, which wasn't alive when I was marketing other things, including movies and, you know, radio shows and so on and so forth, uh-huh, right. records and whatever, the – Social media offers anybody an opportunity to get themselves out there, but you have to be transparent, and you have to be real, and it's not hard to be that way, and you will find people following you. Now, I had somebody in a conversation on Facebook, private message, said, well, how did you get people to share your post? And I said, we asked them to. And, 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 and they said, what do you mean you asked them to? And I said, well, what we said is if Lori made a comment on the post, we always thank everyone for their comments and say, we'd appreciate it if you shared this with your friends. And the post of, of, again, I'm just going to use it, the November 19th post, which is the last chapter of the second 10 days, was shared over 500 times. Now, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what the virility of that is. (laughs) Right, Tony? Very true, very true. 500 people shared that post on their wall to those people who follow them. And we're not paying them to do that. We're we're not, uh, you know, it's just we asked. And it's human nature to help people if you like what they're doing. I'm all for helping Gerara because I like what he's doing. I love to help Lori because I've always loved what she's doing. 
Leland Best, I'll talk about him to anybody because I like and am impressed with what he does, and the same thing with Barbara Grassi. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts on that, Barbara? Well, I think one of the hardest things that I've had is to actually ask people to help. And I have a friend that runs um, a, a business group, and he has more volunteers. Every time you turn around, he's got like eight people volunteering. And I, I sit back and I think to myself, how the heck does he do that? How does he get so many people to work for free? And, <laughs> and of course, I see it as a failing in myself because I'm basically an introvert. And I hate to ask anybody for anything. And it's it's a stepping up to the idea of you don't ask, you don't get, number one. That's right. But two, people really do want to help, and they feel good when they can help somebody. And it's you kind of have to get over yourself and start asking for help. And that's, you know, I need to just get over myself. And, and you know, what you just said is I've heard that over and over again. So, but I'm going to stop a minute. Somebody who is still on the line, which is myself, Lori, no, Leland's offline, uh, Tony, and Barbara, has something going on in the background. And, And these are recorded calls, so that always disrupts people being able to listen. I don't know who it is, so I don't want to mute everybody and find out, but I could do that. Southeast Wisconsin is with us. Is is that James Strauss by any chance? The very same. Hi, Chuck. How are you? <laughs> we were just talking about you. You better leave. Oh, well, uh, if that's a normal conversation, you're correct. Uh, hey, I'm everybody. I'm gonna I'm going to do this because it is important. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute here. Um, Okay, and I'm going to unmute. Lori, it's you. There's something in the background, Lori. My house, Chuck, is Pardon? completely quiet here. The only I I have my slider door open, but okay. there's nothing going on. I don't okay. have a radio on. I don't okay. have okay. Okay. nothing. Well, and it's gone, too. The, the noise seems to be gone, too. So, anyway, sometimes cell phones, I learned, that's why I don't use a cell phone. I've I learned that, for some reason, I think cell phones have ghosts in them, and, you know, they play old music that you were listening to an hour ago. But, but anyway, everybody, just, just if you haven't met him, uh, Mr. Southeast Wisconsin is my friend from 1970, James Strauss, who, I'm sorry, I have to say this, uh, writes things. And I have always, for many, many years, enjoyed that which he writes, even though I disagree with, you know, probably, what, 50% of what you write? Uh, that's pretty accurate, Chuck, I think. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you say that, though, and to have the residual relationship yeah. uh, as a result of that, because so much of what you're seeing today out there in politics and in discourse doesn't allow for people to talk to one another. It's... Yeah. When they disagree, I mean, it's it's like we're supposed to be believing one thing, and if you're not believing one thing, well, you know, go to the church down the street. Don't yeah. talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and this is this is what's interesting. Also, is the topics that you write about, including your editorials. You're not afraid to put yourself out there. 
Well, and you subject yourself to a lot of criticism for it. I mean, I remember somebody on the website who said, well, if you're going to take that stand, I'm not going to buy any more of your books. Right. So, Barbara, how would you react to that? <laughs> you're you're looking at a girl who who tends to walk away rather than enter into conflict. So I'm yeah. like, fine, go play with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to pour myself a single malt scotch here and just be happy. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Jim, that's Barbara Grassi, who has <laughs> wonderful training for people. She's the real deal. She's also a very accomplished real estate investor in the great state of Florida, and she's written books about that that are well-received. So Barbara just, didn't, Barbara just didn't fall off the banana boat either. And then I didn't know if you realize it, Jim, but we have Tony Mihelski on board from Callisti Publishing. Hello. And Leland Best was on the call, but Leland probably had to leave. And uh, Leland has been playing with putting trailers together for your books that you haven't seen yet. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to bring him on board because uh, there is a need for certain people to have a trailer, which is another marketing method to keep a positive view of that which you do. And we don't have a thing to, I mean, there's some very expensive trailers out there that, you know, for people that are selling a million copies a day, they've got them and it's great. So Leland did jump back on the call, I see. And uh, and we had uh, Gerara King, who's muted Jim. Gerara's been on this call for about 10 years. He was a young man in Washington, D.C., living in a car, listening to our program on self-improvement, and has published five books. I think four of them are required reading at several universities, which I think is an interesting accomplishment. No, he's not a million bookseller, because obviously a million people don't want to listen to what he has to say. What kind of car was it? Oh, Gerard, what were you living in then? Uh, a 1993 Saturn SC2 two-door coupe. Mm-hmm. I, was, mm-hmm. I was staying in it. Um, I had a part-time job like three days a week, so I stayed in it so I could be close to the job, and then I would drive like two and a half hours to like my grandma's house or mm-hmm. different women mm-hmm. I was dating and stuff like that. But it was Gerard, kind of fun, though. That was, was kind of that fun, was, though. That was a joke, Gerard, because I thought Chuck was joshing us about living in the car. So yeah. I take no. that back. All right? No, he, he really power. was, Jim. He yeah. really was. Uh, and, and what he did before he went to work is he listened to our Focus Society of Mastermind call and was very active on it for a couple of years. Oh, and he got man. a lot of material for his books. So every time I read his books, I see, oh, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when, when I'm when I'm when I met Chuck, um, the first book was already out. Yeah, and I said I was I think I had called you because I was doing some research on the secret or something. Right, right. We were talking about the secret. And you invited me, and you invited me on the show, and um, I just kept taking notes, and that's where I got most of that 600 page transform your world from in the transcripts. <laughs> But what's the name? Um, somebody made a uh, that forty-hour box also with those same notes. I oh, oh, I Sam Camerano, and I I re reintroduced that last week on MP3s. Forty hours of MP3s. We edited one hundred and twenty hours down to forty hours. Lori's on there. You're on there, and uh, this is kind of like old home week, but. 
Uh, anyway, uh, that's available for $27. If anybody's interested, we'll let you know. And you also get a 35-page workbook that keeps you focused on listening to the CDs. So, I mean, the, the MP. We did uh, CDs, but nobody buys CDs now. Well, I was uh, going to tell you, I have, I have six books. Whatever you don't have, I'm going to send this week. One came out this year. Okay, I appreciate that, Jorah, because I do need to fill my bookcase now. So the topic we've been focusing on, because of what Jim and I have done together, which is working realistically, is that a person who has a creative, such as a book, if, and we were, before everybody else came on, I was focusing on a Facebook page that is you, the author, not the book. And Jim actually asked me, what has it been now? Three, four years ago, who knows, five years ago. Jim said, because he had an awful lot of people that were telling him what to do, which is hard to do with Jim. But <laughs> anyway, um, he had to do this and he had to do that. And I looked at it differently. I looked at it through the eyes of a marketer. Well, well, it's a little different than that, Chuck. I was, I was talking to supposed professionals in the industry, all of whom were charging me thousands of dollars apiece and making promises about things they could do to build my brand and build mm -hmm. my name and you know, take care of problems and everything else. And uh, almost without fail, they were lying <laughs> about not only their capability, about e but even about the possibility. And I came to understand that most of them didn't have a good understanding of mm -hmm. the system, of the web, about how it works or any of that. They, they were trying to learn it themselves at my expense. And so I reached back to Chuck, a man I knew to be of great integrity and high intellect, and I thought, you know, I found something out by going to a variety of genius uh, bars at Apple stores to discover that there are a lot of stupid young people with genius T-shirts on. Uh, and that made me feel better about my own capability. And so I thought it's time us old guys learn this, this mess of a system out here that I think is deliberately kept that way by the experts so that they can stay employed. I mean, your computer should tell you what's wrong with it. They're intelligent enough to do that, but they don't. Uh, your your computer should never have to be taken into anybody, uh, but they they do that, and of course don't ever do that. Or you know, you're loading your what you don't know on your hard drive to the police. But nevertheless, Chuck then began learning the internet at my behest and uh, how to how to build and interrelate these sites. The, the, the genius of Chuck is interrelationship of how mm -hmm. to intertwine Facebook sites into your websites and then to make that work with Amazon and the people who are the designers and will actually get you into the only way of getting published today, and that's self-publishing. There is no other way unless you're Jewish, homosexual, and related to the publishing firm. Uh, and then you only have half a chance. It's just, it's not, you're as likely to win the lottery, but the lottery's like publishing. Why should, you know, when I spoke at a convention once, I said, you know, I have a million dollar budget here to give a, a real great uh, manuscript uh, writer. And so here's my decision as a, as a publisher, I can either give this money to a truly brilliant person with a stack of manuscripts here, or I can give it to my nephew. 
then we can hire the ghostwriter. Which one do you think is going to win that that little competition? And that's what mm-hmm. we all face out here today. But Chuck, Chuck has been a, um, has learned all this and and has really helped me to allow me to do what it is I do, and that's right. Um, and and so it's been it's been quite a, a pleasure and a different experience uh, because uh, so many people are so tied to the mythology of getting published and the mythology is a lie uh, it's it's not true it's not the way life is out there if you're going to get published by a major publisher they're going to come to you after you're successful I mean take Andy Weir for example he had to get successful as a self publisher he wrote The Martian and he is a guy I know. And then once he reached a level of around 10,000 book sales, then a publisher reached out to him. They didn't, you know, he wasn't able to submit to anybody before that time. And, of course, the rest now is history. His small publisher got absorbed by a big publisher, mm-hmm. and then they put it out there, and and uh, and then it became a movie, and then, then he decided to write a second book, and be a male and have a female protagonist, so he's screwed. But nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, there, there you have it. Uh, in my opinion, yeah. Chuck, I don't well, want to <laughs> occupy all your time. Well, you, you know, it, actually, I if if I'm if I'm not wrong, I believe that Barbara Grassi feels some of the same lines that you just expressed, don't you, Barbara? I mean, or do you or not? I'm I'm still trying to figure out. If he's a Jewish homosexual. <laughs> well, definitely he's not. He went to, uh, let's see, St. Norbert's. Well, I wrote in Hollywood for a while. Yeah, he I wrote in Hollywood. Off as then... both, but I wasn't either. Well, he could be by injection. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> hey, you know, we have to watch. I mean, we, you know, we have to... I'm not even sure what we can say on here because Chuck didn't tell me the rules, but I well, do well, like I... your style, dear. Well, well let, let me share with everybody is this is a public show, yeah. and it is never edited, okay? I have never edited an episode because here's my outlook on this. It's almost like writing. If you start reading it and don't like it, don't read it anymore. Nobody is forcing anybody to listen to this, and nobody is forcing anybody to read anybody's book. Oh, I just I just logged through a 300-page oh, horrible, horrible thing that – it was a it was a an off print of Tom Clancy's, and let me tell you, it was not Tom Clancy. <laughs> oh no, he hasn't. He wrote three books and he was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, then he and, just and licensed he, everything. And, 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 well, he had, you know, when you when you hang around with the, you know, I spent a day and a half a day in uh, Boston with uh, with John Grisham. When mm-hmm. when those guys get big enough, they only have time to be John Grisham. He can't. He doesn't have time to write anymore. <laughs> Because his, his day is is totally taken up, uh, and and also being John Grisham, yeah, being, yeah, John, yeah, Grisham, being John Grisham, yeah. and everybody's coming at him, and then the ego grows with it. I mean, he was a, he was a humor. Uh, I really enjoy his sense of humor. I mean, I went around the oldest church in Boston. My my daughter had a hotel there she was working at, so I had mm-hmm. hung out there. And as we're coming around a corner, I said, "Now this is the oldest church." in the Northeast, uh, built in 1675, blah, 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 blah. So he's walking over, and he's standing by a stone, and he said, you know, this is amazing how they could get this wrong. This stone says it was built in 1645. (laughs) (laughs) He's just straight-faced, you know, and I'm going... (laughs) 
but also yeah, we went to a coffee shop. Lazed, but. <laughs> you know, we went to a coffee shop, and I was writing for a popular television show at the time. So one of the people with us mentioned that to the waitress, and she was just blown away. She loved that show, so she was heaping praise upon me uh, to the point where John Grisham says to her, "Well, I I'm John Grisham." She said, "Hello, Mr. Grisham." She, she said, "No, I'm the I'm the famous author." She said, "That must be nice." And then she kept talking to me. <laughs> And how much did you pay your daughter to do that? No, I, I would have. Lo- I, my daughter would never have done that. But this, this, my daughter would have, would have, would have loved John Grisham. But you know, the, the, it was, it was just a moment of humor and hanging with that. And also, you get the feeling that you don't necessarily want to be John Grisham or be that famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you want to? Do you want to surrender that much of your life? To that, we all seek fame, we all seek branding, but boy, there can be too much of it. And then, you know, it's sort of like, how do you become unmatt Lauer, for example, if everybody knows your name and knows your face and things don't work out well? Uh, where, where, what coffee shop is he going to mm-hmm. hang out in? Well, <laughs> I, I want everybody to know that's why we don't show too much of Jim's face. You know? Yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah. I'm in. I'm in no danger. You can tell from my personality. I'm in no danger of being truly famous. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It, you know. Uh, you said something that reflected back to Gerara. And I, can't, I I lost the train of thought because I was engrossed with what you were talking about. Now, Leland, since you're a video man. And you are responsible for putting Jim permanently on the internet, face to face, telling people why he wrote a book. Yeah. Uh, are are you having other people do this? We're not talking about trailers now. We're talking about actual interviews with an author, such yeah. as Gerara, who has a story to tell besides the books he writes. Okay. And and are you having? How are people receiving that, or are you doing any more of those? A lot of the interviews I do, as you're aware, Chuck, are overseas in Southeast Asia at this time Mm -hmm. because of my connection with a very large entrepreneur over in Pakistan. Right. It it was beyond that that I started. I get requests every day for interviews, basically. Okay. Okay. It's a little different than what I expected, though. It would I would expect to have to go out and seek people as interviewees, Uh but most. I have people contacting me now. Can I be on your show? Can I have you interview me? (laughs) That's not the normal course of effect. I mean, normally, as an interviewer, you have to go seek talent to bring it online. And that's how I started years ago. And now I don't have to seek the talent. I just have to find the person with the story. And normally, Mm -hmm. they're looking for me anyway. Yeah. Because of the way live streaming is going right now, I have to kind of give kudos to those who have developed it to the point that it's at, but there's still a lot to go. Mm -hmm. And we we can only see what it's going to do over these next couple of years. And with regards to what you're speaking of, for instance, as book trailers or personal stories or business stories or what have you, I think we're just seeing the iceberg. Okay, the tip. Or what it is Mm -hmm. in the horizon. Just a, a tip of it starting to emerge on the ocean surface. And we're going to really start to see it explode this year as Internet speeds increase, as software becomes more stable, as the ability to reach audiences with video becomes the prevalent and obvious form of communication. Okay. Uh, we can only expect great things in 2018. So I'm looking forward to it. 
You know, an interesting substantiation of what you're saying, Jim produces or publishes a newspaper every week in Wisconsin. Wow. And uh, it's a newspaper. There was one other newspaper in town, you know, that was owned, I mean, that owned the city, you know, typical small-town newspaper. And Jim didn't like them, so he decided to start his own. And, And he's just totally disrupted the town. But here's what he did again. He has a page on Facebook for the newspaper. And every week we digitize the newspaper. It's on the street printed, and it's all gobbled up by 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You can't find a copy. But the Facebook page, his reporters are on the street, and they've become, what do you, is it the word videographer or whatever? Yeah. And and these girls are not using the most sophisticated equipment in the world. You know, we don't have that cameraman with the $50,000 iPhones. And you can't believe when these girls put up a video on the Facebook page, within 24 hours, every video has over 1,000 views, and the town is only 8,000 people. Wow. Yeah, we've been... We've been amazingly successful, um, small time. We're playing small ball here. Yeah, we're, we're, small we're around a lake that's nine miles long and, and two miles across, and there are four communities around the lake. And then, of course, we're 40 miles from Milwaukee, 50 miles from Chicago, and 50 miles from Madison. So that gives you a geographic idea. But our population base is not large uh, in that area. Uh, so what we started doing uh, accidentally a year and a half ago uh, maybe I guess maybe it's been yeah, two years. a year and a half ago. Yeah, car, some cars fell through the ice here, oh, yeah. and we happened to be on the scene. With I had two female employees doing other things, a warehouse person and front desk person, and we happened to be on the scene with our iPhones, so we videoed it and put it on our Facebook page, and it, it exploded. It made uh, national, you know, right. national stuff. So what we started doing is. I just changed their jobs, made them reporters, and sent them out every day from dawn till dusk. They're out there rolling around. On the street. Around and around the lake, and they pick, <laughs> they just find something interesting, and they make a video out of it. And they video each other interviewing people. They interview people, uh, you know, then, and so all of us are, you know, now all of the employees are doing the same thing out of nine. And we just roll around, and we video interesting stuff, which is tacky to, to say that's being generous. I mean, we... We we video you know a duck walking down a street and, and make up a story and to go with it and you know it, it, whatever it is uh, catch the mayor off guard or you know film a, a ridiculous vanity plate or you know some of the other stuff that you run into uh, and and it's the, the public has fallen in love with it we, along the lines of what Lee was saying there you know this is mm-hmm. a form a special form of new communication is what it's become. Uh, it's and it's two way because on Facebook they can leave comments and they leave a lot of them. Oh yeah! And thanks to Chuck, I now have my people respond to the comments every day. I can't because no. not because of time, but because well, I'm too acidic in my responses, and uh, that that doesn't go down well. And then I tend to build a group of trolls right. out there who yep. get angry and. The employees don't do that. They they are much more. They're um, nice. They're yeah, they're nice. nice. They're okay. nice. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean, not by injection either, dear. So yeah. Well, but, uh, you know, so, in all fairness, you know the girls are doing a great job. 
on the Facebook page for the newspaper. But you have to remember that Jim also personally responds to the several hundred comments on every post on Facebook and over 11,754 comments on the website. Well, that's on, you know, that's on the Vietnam War book yeah. series and, yeah. and also the short stories. I do that because they're so the comments are so goddamn point, poignant. I mean, I get I get comments that I just don't know what to make of. I, I want to tell these people I'm not that great a guy, you know. Uh, I, I end up with a with a, a bad feeling. Not a bad feeling. I mean, it's how could you say it's a bad feeling from some of the things they say uh, on here that that just you know can shake your timbers. Um, you know, here's one. I'll just read a short one from Jack. From 30 Day to Arch Adventures and your short stories, I've come to follow you continually. It's opened up a floodgate of emotions from the past. It seems I've tried very hard to suppress. You've caused me to rethink so many experiences in life. Your ability to relate life experience into living words is beyond imagination. You've certainly caused me to realize how cold my heart was becoming towards humanity as a whole. I think it was Christmas Eve a year ago when I first became aware of you as an author. You've caused me to shed more tears in the past year than I've shed in the past 20 years. Not going to try to explain that. Just keep it coming. You are a master of relating to real-life experience and bringing it to the surface. Curious, how are things going with your new cat, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you get a comment like that, it just blows. and it just uh, exactly. shakes your foundations uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think of myself in those terms that he's writing, and I almost want to go, who is he really writing about? Uh, because that's not how words flow out of me. They don't flow from a well of presentation of a special nature. They're just sort of there, you know, on a variety of subjects. And, and so, uh, and I tend to think of it rather glibly, really, until I read something like that, and then I start thinking, Maybe I should pay more attention to what I'm writing, you know. <laughs> but maybe that would ruin it. I don't yeah. know. I mean, the, the fact that it flows. but And that's more talking about me as a writer than, of course, it is about maybe the most important thing of all, and that's marketing. And because without an audience, are you really a writer? Are, are you a speaker without an audience mm -hmm. to be there? I mean, how important is that audience? Well, just that comment alone that I read, that came in at 11.52 p.m. last night. Yeah. What a motivator for today to get up, read that, and go, you know, I think I can do another day of this shit, uh, and, yeah. and, I, and I can get by. But, you know, that, that came from a member of an audience that Chuck has helped to build and and Tony has helped to build, and, and a lot of people have gotten involved helping to build. But building that audience then feeds back, and then it makes the thing self-sustaining. Whether I ever become John Grisham or not, which is, isn't likely, I'm, I know, as my wife says, I'm, I don't have enough time left because no. uh, I'm 72. But nevertheless, you know, it is interesting to be a part of that but without building that audience and running into chuck again it would never have happened and yet the mix that it takes today the complexity that we're dealing with of how to relate facebook to your website how to have the right kind of website and then keep it active which is the absolute key it's got to change all the time just like your facebook i mean the attention that has to be paid is so overwhelming 
and mm-hmm. and who can do that without a team? And yet at the beginning you don't have a team. You just got you, and you know, and and maybe not a lot of finance either. Yeah. So how do you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? It's it's a it's a hard one. Anyway, Chuck, I'm taking no, no, an egg because you need the team to grow and you don't have the money to pay a team or you don't have the, the right. resources to get a team and you need them to grow. So it's it's very much a chicken and egg situation. And it's, yeah. It's, um, and part of that is I think, I mean, you've built a huge audience and you, I mean, if you put out a call for help, you would have thousands of people rushing and no matter what help you needed, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's spreading the word or I need blood, they would, <laughs> they would come for you, you know? Well, you know, that's theoretically true. In practice, is it really that way? You know, my background is anthropology. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go out there and demonstrate that you're prey, the predators come. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't, the society does not necessarily rush to you. They may give the appearance of that. But, you know, there, a lot of people will come to eat you alive. Uh, you know, showing oh, weakness we'll out here is a, is a mixed bag. Um, you know, this is, this is a tough place we're involved with. And also, we've got all these conflicting mythologies, which Joe Campbell talked about, the great mm-hmm. anthropologist. And he was kind. Mm-hmm. Mythologies are mostly just great stories filled with lies uh, about how things are. And then you find out as you get older in life that, that wasn't true at all, <laughs> and yet I founded my I founded my church on that principle, and it wasn't there was no truth to it. Yeah. Um, and you know, so the, so if you go out and ask people for help, you've got to be careful so that they don't think you're needy, mm. because you know you you have a nation that's half Republican out here. They don't much give a shit about needy people. Have you noticed they that? Really don't. No, yeah. I mean they don't, and so. Yeah, because there's no need for people anymore. We've got machines. No, we got machines to do it all. We've just become. We've just had an entire workforce become disposable, and look how fast they're shedding them. Well, it's Maybe. not necessarily disposability, though. If you look at it like an anthropologist, I mean, there's there's a there's a shift coming in humanity, and that shift mm-hmm. is a change that most people can't conceive of. It's a shift from the valuation of a human being made on something the human being does instead of the fact that you are the fact that you are a human being will in the future be so special in the universe that that alone will be a value sufficient to have what we today have to fight over yes machines are going to do all the work one day you know yes we will occupy the solar system and the universe we're called upon to do that but you know we will do so as being creatures, not acting creatures. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's sort of like being a high officer in the Marine Corps instead of a private. You don't go to the range every day and work with a rifle and become a sniper when you're a high officer. <laughs> you have people who do that, just as we will have machines that do that. We will not right. take on those functions ourselves. Now, I'm, and I'm lecturing as an anthropologist, and I shouldn't be. But nevertheless, you should feel good about the fact that your one day, if not you, your children, will be valued for being what they are instead of doing some task. Yep. There, my That's lecture. Good. <laughs> That's a good lecture. <laughs> well, you, you know, this is, this is the thing that 
that this is why I, you mentioned the asking. We talked about that earlier. Jim has a way on the Facebook page. And by the way, that is Jim. Yes, Chuck is there, but there are certain things Chuck doesn't do, and that's answer most of these people. Okay, I just want everybody to know that publicly. And the way he asks someone is after an honest appreciation of what they had done. And what amazes me is there are people, now we've got to remember Jim's audience is over 60, and Jim's audience is 90% male. Mm -hmm. And what's amazed the both of us is suddenly we have people of that generation, that group, who are expressing themselves in the written word that they know is permanent. It's on the Internet. You see what I mean? And that would not have been true 40, 30 years ago. There are, that that uh, thing that Jim read, I mean, I'm, I'm not that I'm just speaking to Barbara, but that comment. 30 years ago, that would have been a grunt. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but but, but 30, 30 years ago, would we have a person say, I think it was Christmas Eve a year ago when I first, you've caused me to shed more tears in the past than I've shed in the past 20 years. Not Mm -hmm. going to try to explain that. Just keep it coming. When we hit the button, Jim's going to answer this this statement, okay? It just came in last night and a lot of things. When Jim answers that and pushes the button, that is on his website. It's out there forever, isn't it? Yeah. And it's attached to Jack. Okay. I mean, we didn't used to do that. So there is some benefit, I believe, of these new systems. But, well, and also, you know, everybody talks about the coldness of the Internet. Yeah. You can't read that comment and read coldness in it. And I can't oh. fail to answer it. I mean, it is so right. heartfelt. How could I not answer it? How could I allow anyone else to answer no. it? I mean, it's it's something I have to write Jack back and say, you know, how I feel about that. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that he reached me. Uh, and the fact that I understand that these six long lines that he wrote, he had to really probably labor over. There's not one mistake in the whole thing. And this guy's not not a writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yet here he is. And mm-hmm. that alone is like a triumph mm-hmm. that, that this guy is actually motivated to write uh, because of something I did. And I still don't really understand what the hell that is. Well, what it is, is you and other writers, people who are on this call, the Gerara Kings, the Lori Teddy Bear, po- I mean, <laughs> Lori Perina, the Tony, the Tony Mihalskis, and, and the, Leland, the Lelands, you guys are creative. And that's what you're doing. You're sharing something that's down deep inside of you, and you're putting it out there public. There are many, many, just like there are many, many people who are fantastic. Jim and I managed to sing. Remember Johnny Gloria, Jim, back about 50 years ago? John Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A Gloria. This kid had more talent in his little finger. Now, of course, that's always been my opinion. And he was better than anything you guys would ever have seen, you know, at that time. And Jim and I promoted him through our area on the south coast of Southern California, and he did pretty well. I don't know whatever happened to Johnny, but our conversation was, here is a real talent. Why doesn't anybody know him? Getting back to authors, almost everybody I've met through this system have, have been good at what they do, 
and they need to share that and build the audience as Jim has. And it's not impossible, but you have to believe in yourself that you can do it and surround yourself with people who can help. And, and that should be the goal of an author. Write the book, yes, but before you write the book, why not set down a business plan? I know this sounds terrible. It's almost heresy that a creative would do this, but sit down the business plan, and part of that business plan is writing the book. The other part of the business plan should be the budgeting process, how you're going to live while you're writing the book, because you know the minute you finish it, you're not going to suddenly have $100,000 in your hand. Well, therein lies the conundrum that we face in the creative arts, because if you're given the talent to write the stuff that's that good, you're not given the rest of that shit, okay? and you mm-hmm. don't want to do it, and I will get to that tomorrow, okay. and uh, it becomes gone with the wind. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow it becomes the next tomorrow, because it's discomforting to sit down and write that, and at one time the publishers... Uh, did that. In other words, they they created a fund of money. They had editors and mm-hmm. they had marketing people. And so all you had to this is mythology, of course. All you had to do was have the talent. Now whether it was ever really any different than it is now, I don't know anymore because my trust level has dropped away so completely uh, about the way that uh, you know whether it's Hollywood or New York uh, or. Or internationally, uh, the, what what is really out there in the way of taking people who have talent and then building them up into something special because of that talent? I I think that that has never been common. I think that they want the talent and they want to steal it and take it uh, and get it any way they can, but they do not want to reward people that they don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's been common for you know it's it's a it's it's tribalism really and so they take care of the tribe, but they don't tell you they're taking care of the tribe, and so you know when I learned that most publishers are done are done contracting for books by May of the year for the rest of the year they don't do any more contracting until next January one. But from May to January 1, they don't tell any authors that they aren't accepting any more work. They tell all remaining authors that submit that their work did not measure up. Yeah. God knows how many writers committed suicide over that policy alone, yeah. where they exactly. think that their work isn't good enough, but that wasn't, it was never even read. It wasn't even read. They got a stock rejection, and it came back to quality because that kept anyone from inquiring about the fact that the publishing house didn't have a sufficiency of liquidity or personnel to publish or take on any more books. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. That's huge. Uh, and yet here you're submitting not knowing that to a publishing concern that you think will take the best. And uh, We have to watch it, though, Jim. We have a publisher on the line. Well, then, then the publisher knows absolutely what I'm talking good. about. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah. It's, it's all good. Yeah, and you can understand that the publisher is also looking at their own survival, and mm-hmm. they, can't, they can't go out telling the public they don't have any more money. Otherwise, they become, we're back to this predator and prey thing. Mm-hmm. You go out and show your weakness out there, and the public will, you know, I, I you know, remember that speaking, you know, a woman heard me speak, at a uh, convention, and it was one of my great days, and I wowed the crowd, and it was a lot of fun. And and this woman heard me speak, and she happened to be president of the largest speakers bureau in America. 
And she called me on the phone. She said, you know, I've heard the best, and you're one of the best. We've got to get you around the nation. I'm going to arrange for you to go talk to Xerox and IBM and these big corporations, and you're going to talk to them on this subject of integrity and truth and what it is and how it works and everything I got from listening to you speak. And I was just, I was so high, I stepped out of my chair. I had to get up. Wow. And so I said, well, wait, there's one problem here. You know, um, you know, do we have to use integrity as a subject? Because I've been to six prisons. And she said, you know, I really appreciate your honesty. And the next thing I heard was the toe, dial tone. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of Jim's speaking, national speaking tour on integrity. You know, I, I, you know be careful. The truth can be a very painful thing yeah. and can definitely affect your future. Now, should I have misled her and said, oh, I will go out and speak on integrity? No, I didn't want to face the music later on. I have a checkered past in many ways, and I encourage people to go on the Internet and look them up. You know, I have 60% of the crap that's written about me isn't true out there. It isn't true. <laughs> but I don't mind. I don't mind if the people reject me after reading that because then – I don't have to spend time wasting my time trying to develop a relationship with someone that's going to find out the real me and dump me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so dump me going in. I, yeah. I'm more comfortable in that. You, you, you know, know, just to, to intensify what Jim said, while just well, exactly one minute ago, uh, my my email pumps up, and this is from a private contact form on the website, and here's a person saying. Any chance day 21 may be out soon, thanks, Tim. Not knowing who Tim is, but what it is, it's from the website, and somebody didn't want to make this public, so they sent it to private email, wanting to know and gnashing their teeth when the next chapter of the book is coming out. Well, we invented this, this... No big secret. This was done in 1857 <laughs> by a guy named Alexander Dumas. Yeah, yeah. And he couldn't author. publish a book called The Count of Monte Cristo, so he had it translated into English since the French didn't care for it. It was too political back mm-hmm. there in Napoleonic times. So he translated it into English and he took it to London, and of course they wouldn't publish him. And so he went to a failing magazine called The Strand, mm-hmm. and he offered it to them in little segments, little chapters. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, the rest is history. The Strand is still a magazine today right. uh, because of right. that, uh, what he did with that, and the fact that the Count of Monte Cristo was a great work. And yeah. so what we did is we started publishing for free on the website, segment after segment. I write these books, and then I put the chapters up for free. And then after I get a book done, then I sell it on Amazon, and the books have done amazingly well. And you would think they wouldn't because I'm offering it for free. Now, I've written these books for veterans, and I have a secondary reason. There are a lot of veterans that are broke, and I wanted them to be able to read the story even if they couldn't pay the freight for the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, you know, I got shot in Vietnam three times, so you might understand why I'm poignant about these poor veterans. Uh, but the, the subsequent thing has been this. We've built this audience of people that are waiting breathlessly, which also we're back to predator and prey. Sometimes I feel like they're feeding on me. I've got to get another chapter out. They're going to kill me. God, 
Yes, it's coming. And they, and they, they know how to shoot, too. I'm supposed <laughs> to be writing this segment right this very minute. Yeah, I, and, I, and, I really and, 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 you know, it, it, it's just like I, I didn't mention it because she's doing Christmas. We decorate, by the way. Today was decorating the yard day, and so will tomorrow and the next day, because that's how many days it takes to decorate the yard. But everybody knows on this call that 4.30, my wife comes in and folds her arms akimbo and says, it's dinner time, it's time to cut it off. Well, she's out in the garage, so we're 10 minutes past our time. And (laughs) so we do upper central Michigan. Who is that? That's me. Leland? I'm still here. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Somebody else came in and I didn't. Uh, no, you changed your name. Okay. I, I, start, I, I logged in on the website, Chuck, and I oh, couldn't get okay. the Google Voice link to show the right pop up. It was blocking the pop up. Oh, okay, okay. So All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up, so we're going to go down the list. Lori has muted. Let's see. Lori. No, I'm here. There you are. There you are. Did you have anything? to share about great things happening to you right now? Um, Well, yes, actually. I have just recently spent about four and a half to five months of my life in, in what I can only describe as sort of a half world, but I have just had surgery on my left eye and I can't now see again to re to use large print on the computer. Oh fantastic. Can labels and box labels and shades of of color that I was not able to even see nuance in color for a while and Mm. And this goes back of many years, doesn't it, Lori? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, due to um, one of the portions of the uh, vision problem that I was born with, um, one part of which is that I had cataracts that were from babyhood that the one on my left eye finally had matured 49 years later, and all of a sudden... One day I woke up and couldn't see anything but like outline uh, and light and dark and a little bit of color with really no nuance. And it, I said, at first I thought it was allergy and then when it stays there for three, four, five, six, seven days and beyond, it's like, okay, um, this is not allergy. <laughs> no. Not, um, okay, my my whole reality, which I always said I could do without my eyes. Now, my ears would be a different story. I have to say that, boy, was that belief challenged because I spent the next four and a half to five months dealing with... Um, practicing the alternative skills that I would need if it if the surgery hadn't worked. And it um, did. It did, right? It did, but I spent the that four and a half to five months saying, I hate this. I hate the way I hate this existence I'm in at this point. And all I could do 
I dared not hope. I dared not hope too much that that my expectations would go too wild with what might be able to be done with the surgery because they still today cannot tell me how long I will have what I have. Well, let's keep it going for now, okay? Yeah, yeah, let's keep it going for now, absolutely. Chuck, I cannot tell you, it's like I live in a brand-new world. It's, well, it's like... You know, a little birdie told me that you were sighted again, and that was your good friend, Gerara. He <laughs> yes. sent me a note and said that, and I did write to you on Facebook. I don't know if you saw that or not. That's kind of a an interesting play of words, isn't it? But I just want to share with you and, and everybody on this audience, Lori Polina was one of our first uh, members of our community of the Focus Society Mastermind, and uh, she named herself the Warrior Goddess and was in uh, many challenges 10 years ago, and I, I'm just personally very so excited to hear that she is sighted again because she is a warrior goddess. This woman is just phenomenal, and, and I really appreciate looking forward to spending more time with you, Lori. And, of course, Tony, Tony Mihelski, do you have anything to finish up on, words of nope. wisdom from, from the state of Pennsylvania? Just move forward boldly. It's fabulous uh, listening to everybody. Fantastic. Okay, thank you, Tony. And if anybody needs to know more about Tony, it's Callisti, K-A-L-L-I-S-T-I, publishing.com. Gerard King has muted himself. Um, he doesn't sell books. They People just buy them. <laughs> and, uh, and Tampa, Barbara, what, what's new? You have some new things happening, don't you? <laughs> I have the most boring life in the world. No, no, no. Didn't you come up with a new course? Oh, yeah. I'm working. I'm doing a talk. Um, and here's what happens. I'm doing a talk for a group um, in about a week. And I had originally proposed doing From Blog to Book, which is a course I already had kind of done. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and they're like, can you do self-publishing? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm doing a talk on self-publishing, and okay. you know I never like to do a talk if I can't sell something. Right. <laughs> so even though it's not a selling event, I always like to let people know that certain courses are available. Yes, and and so you, your courses are excellent. Look up Barbara Grassy. That's G R A S S E Y dot com. She's very uh, big on Facebook. You look at her up there, Barbara Grassy. Uh, and uh, again, her real background, which we didn't talk about, is this woman is one hell of a real estate investor and has written some good books about that. So follow up on Barbara Grassy, and then we have uh, Southeast Wisconsin. She, we know that that is uh, Mr. Jim Strauss, uh, jamesstrauss.com. And on Facebook, there is James Strauss Writer. And uh, the newspaper is the Geneva Shore Report. And if anybody would like to read it online, it comes out Wednesday again. It's up every Wednesday, <clears throat> GenevaShoreReport.com. And if nothing else about the newspaper besides the wonderful videos, you do want to read the editorial every week because it's not politically correct in most cases. So. Thank you, Chuck. No, we love it. That's why we broadcast it so much. And uh, Leland, 
Any parting yeah. shots from Leland? <laughs> Certainly, Chuck. Uh, it's been a wonderful 2017, honestly, since I finished my book back in September. Uh, I've seen a lot of traction, but not a lot of sales. So I'm looking forward to working with some of your author publisher types uh, in your groups, obviously. But video is definitely going to be my thing for 2018. So mm-hmm. if any of your constituents would feel that uh, going into a live video production would be something they'd be interested in, I'm here and available. Uh, I'm going to be starting my courses probably on either Udemy or Thinkific pretty okay. soon here that are going to be a companion to the book, Best guide to live stream video broadcasting, but I'm also going to be mentoring with nine other folks uh, in a group known as Amy Carrier's Classroom. She was president on CNBC a while back as a an entrepreneur's mentor, mm-hmm. and we're putting together these 10 specific folks to help teach entrepreneurship globally, really, and this is where it excites me because we already have nearly 5,000 people in the group. And we're working primarily right now in Southeast Asia. We're also looking to teach people in some of those neighboring countries how to speak English. Mm-hmm. So we're using live video to produce that effect by oh, getting people together to simply speak together <clears throat> and get to know language. So and, and, and your book that you recently published on Amazon, uh, yep. is there a specific market for it, or would anybody in mar- who has a marketing tendency be interested in it? I know that your book is technical. Yeah, it is a little more tech, but it's on the layman's side of technical. So yeah, okay. basically set up to yeah. create and build your own live stream production studio in-house. Oh. So it's, it's kind of that do-it-yourself guide. Mm-hmm. and gives you just enough technical information so that you know how things work, but it's really down-to-earth, uh, bare-bones, telling you what it takes to be successful in live streaming and the different ways you can do it. So from here, it's only going to continue to grow. This is just one of my teaching series, first edition for 2017. So looking forward to the revisions that come along with it. And how do people get in touch with you? They can find me over at bcblive.com. And if they want to find the book, they can find that at bestliveguide.com. Best Live. That's interesting because your last name is Best. (laughs) Yeah, it works out pretty well. Okay, all right. Jim, Leland, Barbara, Gerard and Lori, this is Chuck Bartok saying good evening, and, uh, you know, we're going to go out and have a great day tomorrow because there's no alternative. Thank you all for being here. Uh, We will put this up on the You Can Build It blog and uh, give everybody the credit they so well deserve, and thank you very much for being with us tonight. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.